Some of you may remember um, that I have been here before. over the years as I have served with Jim, on occasion he's been gone, and uh, when he couldn't find anybody else uh, who could come, uh, he'll finally look at me and say, would you, would you consider doing this for me? Uh, There's been a period in my life where I did a fair amount of this kind of thing, Um, but for the last several years, I have kind of served as the guy behind the scenes more than anything else, and I kind of like the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, You know, I, I think I face today with a certain uh, honor to be here, but also a certain amount of trepidation. Uh, this w- One thing I notice about getting older, and I soon am going to be 70 years old, is that I don't mind being old, but I miss my brain. I, it's, it's, just go, it's, go, it's not where I, it used to be, and it doesn't function the way uh, it used to function. I need these things more than I used to. You'll notice Jim never uses <laughs> notes. Uh, he is one of the more amazing human beings uh, uh, I have ever been around. I first met Jim in 1998. I was on the staff of the Park Cities Baptist Church when he came there to be pastor. Uh, I had been on the church at that point for nearly six years. I had served as a minister with single adults part of that time. Uh, but then I had be, kind of become the communications minister. I have a master's degree in communication. And all along the way, I found ways kind of into that field and, and ways to serve there. Now, within about 15 months of the time Jim arrived, um, I found uh, a, a, a different opportunity that uh, took me to a, a place called Guidestone Financial Resources. Uh, At that time, it was called the Annuity Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's also located in Dallas, and I spent the next nearly 16 years um, helping ministers with a 403B retirement plan. Some of you know 401K. 403B is in the not-for-profit world, and so I spent a long time working with preachers and helping them do this. A few months before I transitioned to the Annuity Board, um, I... um, found um, uh, my, my wife and I, uh, or my wife, I should say, joined the staff of Park Cities Baptist Church. Now, there's no relationship between her joining and me leaving. There was no, there's no relationship there. I understand that. But she was a researcher and a writer for Jim. Do any of you get the daily article from Jim Dennison? Uh, she sent out the very first copies of that manually. She used to fill out a card and, and write a person's email address on it and then actually manually enter it and actually manually send those things out. Uh, now that there's more than 300,000 people on the subscription list, that's a little tough to do, and she has not done that kind of thing uh, in, in, in a long time. But when Jim and Jeff Bird left the Park Cities Baptist Church to form uh, what was then called the Center for Informed Faith, uh, this was back in 2010, uh, my wife went as well, and so she's one of the first three employees of the Denison Forum, and as Mike was telling you just a second ago, there's nearly 50 of us there now. God is blessing in an amazing way uh, what Jim and uh, others, so many others are doing there. My wife is getting ready to retire in a couple of months. Uh, She works behind the scenes doing a lot of editing and and proofing and things like that. But she has decided it's time to play with the grandchildren. And so she is going to do that. All five of our grandchildren are in a very close proximity to us. And so we have the delight of being able to uh, uh, work closely with them. I retired from Guidestone back in about 2016 and found out I was not ready for retirement yet. And so I called Jim one day and said, Jim, 
if you've got something I could come around there and do and help on some kind of part-time way, uh, I, I, would, I would love to do that. Um, part-time Jim Denison. Um, that's a real oxymoron, as Mike will know and Sheila will know and Claire knows in there, uh, uh, those of us who have worked closely with Jim. There's nothing part-time about Jim. Like I said, it's kind of an oxymoron, kind of like jumbo shrimp or congressional intelligence or uh, men at work. Uh, uh, the two terms just oftentimes usually don't go, don't go together. And so part-time soon turned into full-time. Uh, over these five years, I've had a number of titles. Uh, I've quickly learned uh, something that's not scriptural, but probably ought to be. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Um, I think that's out of the book of Second Opinions, and while it's not scriptural, I have certainly learned uh, to do that. Actually, there's one really good image. Boy, not that. Uh, there's one really good image of what I do for Jim. If there's one way to describe uh, what I do for Jim Dennison, this is kind of it, right? Uh, whoops, not that one. This is kind of it uh, right here. Some of you will recognize driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Part of my job is just to go with Miss Daisy wherever Miss Daisy goes and to try to keep Miss Daisy uh, out of trouble. And one of these days, I'm going to get his face superimposed on this image right here and mine, mine here because I do a whole lot of that. I just go with Jim. Uh, my, my job is just to kind of help him so that he doesn't have to keep up with the details. Uh, he's a little directionally challenged if you've known him very well for very long. Uh, he, he's he's, he's kind of that way. So, so that's really the best picture of my job. But from a more biblical perspective, I, I play a role kind of like Aaron or her played to Moses. If you remember back in uh, Exodus 17, Moses had commanded the Israelites to go and fight the armies of uh, Amalek. And um, Moses stood on a hill uh, while the armies did the battles, and every time Moses held up the staff of God, the Israelites prevailed. But when his arms got tired and he uh, <coughs> let the staff down, then Amalek prevailed. Aaron and her figured that out really quickly, and one stood on one side of him and one stood on the other, and they held up his arms. My job is to hold up the arms of Moses, uh, because I really do believe uh, that... Um, I've been called to help a man God has called in a mighty way. Uh, I sincerely believe that Jim Dennison is a kind of a Moses-like figure in our day. Uh, in recent days, I just want you to know what he's done in the last couple of weeks before he took off for a few days, and he rarely does that. And by the way, I haven't heard, first day, two, couple of days he was gone, I heard a lot from him. I think Janet took his phone away, so I have not heard from him again in, in, in quite a while, but... Uh, but in just the last few days, he was the featured speaker at the Louisiana Governor's Prayer Breakfast, a huge event uh, that takes place in, uh, in Baton Rouge. He just finished a series of videos with Jack Graham, the pastor of, of uh, uh, Prestonwood Baptist Church. Uh, he did another video in the last few days for the Dallas Baptist Association where he talked about the promises and peril of precision medicine. How does this guy know so much about so many uh, of so many things. Curtis Chang interviewed him on a national podcast just a few days ago about why Christians ought to consider taking the COVID vaccine. He was on Fox News just a few days ago with Shannon Bream, where he was talking about uh, how Christians can address the woke culture, if you know what I mean by that. And of course, that's in addition to writing an essay every day, five days a week. And I'm not kidding you when I say 52 weeks a year. He writes this thing, or, he, or someone, he's, he's on top of someone else, uh, uh, oftentimes his son, uh, has, uh, who's filling in 
uh, for him right now. And this, then, is on top of being interviewed on the radio at least 20 times a month. There was a day a few days ago where he had six radio interviews in one day. He leads a Bible study for significant community and business leaders in Dallas, many whose names you would go, oh my goodness, that's impressive. Um, he authored 12 books, 12, last year. He preaches at Possum Kingdom Chapel. You guys are blessed. I want you to know that. If you don't realize that, but I want you to know I am too. I get to hang around this guy. I get to just kind of pick up some of the crumbs that fall off the table. Now, Jim would be mortified to know that I have said all of this, and he said some things about me that he probably expanded the truth a little bit about last week. Uh, he's kind, he's gracious, he's humble, he's sensitive, he's the real deal. Now, I want you to know, at this stage of the game in my life, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if this guy wasn't absolutely genuine. Perhaps he is the greatest influence in my life outside of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This man is uh, absolutely amazing. I truly believe he's one of the foremost thinkers, philosophers, and theologians on the planet. And I'm preaching in his absence? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> be patient. He will be back. Uh, he will be back next Sunday. But today, um, uh, I want to address three lies that are easy to believe. And, uh, uh, we're, you know, we're surrounded by so many messages. I'm not so sure that there are new lies as much as we hear them more. We're constantly connected to these phones. We're constantly connected to the Internet. The TVs are going. The radios are blaring. Uh, we are just inundated. And so much of it is lies. But some of them are really easy to believe. And some of them we actually want to believe. Uh, some of us have fallen for more than one of these lies somewhere along the line. And the first one is uh, this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Oh, my goodness. This is perhaps the biggest lie, and one that we've taught children to recite. I can take a baseball bat and break your arm. And about six to eight weeks, your arm is probably perfectly fine again. No lasting, no lasting damage from it. But in anger or jealousy or just pure meanness, I can tell you you're stupid or you're ugly or you're unworthy. And you may carry that around for a lifetime. Many of us form images of ourselves. Almost all of us have formed images of ourselves by what other people have told us about us whether they're our parents or our teachers or our siblings or our friends or our neighbors. Unfortunately, some of us have been victimized by the weaknesses of some of those folks, their insecurities, their angers, and others. I clearly remember some words my own father said to me as a child. As an adult, I've been able to deal with it. But as a child, it was a hurtful image I carried around for a long, long time. I want you to see just a glimpse of what God's Word says about your words and your tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. There is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I tell you, on the day of judgment, we'll give an account... On the day of judgment, people will give an account of early, every careless word that they speak. If anyone thinks his, religion, 
if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perseverance in it breaks the spirit, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and, and, and healthy to the body. But now you must put away, put them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your, wor- from your mouth. I want you to know this is the best image of words that I have. They're like bricks. You can build something incredible with them. I live in a home, a beautiful home made of brick. But I could pick up a brick and throw it through that window right now as well, too, and be awfully destructive with it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may ne- can never hurt me. I think that's one of the biggest lies we've ever told or ever even been tempted to believe. A second lie that's really tempting to believe, and our world wants us to believe this one really bad, is that at heart we're all really good. I want to believe this. But I remember as being a minister on the staff of a church and being in counseling sessions lots and lots and hearing things that convinced me over time that almost all of us are capable of almost anything. What goes on inside of us? What does God's Word say about our hearts? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. I will move the heart of stone from their flesh. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The world wants us to believe that we are just by nature good. Take some survey of the internet one of these days and see how good we are. Look on social media at some point and look at the goodness that we come by by nature. There's a famous quote. Um, um, oh, 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 let me back up here just a second. So if our hearts are sick and wicked, as Jeremiah says, how then could David say in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If our hearts are desperately wicked, and made of stone, why in the world would he want to give us the desires of them? There's a famous quote by St. Augustine that says, love God and do what you want. Wow. Some people think he was very irresponsible to have said that, and maybe this is even a dangerous thing, but centuries later, excuse me, centuries earlier, another man who loved God said something very similar. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. What did David and St. Augustine really mean? Now, if anyone clearly understood the wickedness of the heart, it was David's. Remember Bathsheba? Remember Uriah? David clearly understood that, but yet said this. 
his son Solomon wrote these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. What in the world does it mean? So how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? How do we trust in the Lord with all our hearts? A preacher of our day and time, a man named David Jeremiah, uh, said something like this not so very long ago in a sermon. Love God and do his pleasure. Could that possibly be true? Again, it sounds reckless. It even sounds untrue. And while I don't always agree with everything David Jeremiah or perhaps any preacher might say, when he, what he said has merit, but only under certain conditions. And he outlined them in his sermon. He said that God replaces our evil hearts with his desires when these things are true in us. We're saved. We're filled with the Spirit. We're sanctified. We're submissive. We're suffering. And we're thankful. Well, we don't have time to unpack what all of that means. Your heart can be transformed. Your heart can be changed. It's not something that we have by nature, but something God does when he comes in through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and saves us. When these elements are operative in us, when these things have happened to us, when we live in this way, then these are the things that begin to emanate from us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Wow, this last one always gets me. Self-control. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, your heart changes. David can say, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Solomon can say, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and, and, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will give you the desires of your hearts. But only if these things are true. Our hearts, by nature, are pretty despicable things. It's not a popular thing to say. Our culture doesn't like hearing things like that. But these things simply are true. So what about when you're unkind? What about if you're unfaithful? What if you're harsh? I've learned at this old age something that maybe some of you learned a long time before me, is that it's far better to feed the fires that you want to grow than to try to stomp out all the others. Yes, I don't always see these things emanating from my life, and when I'm impatient, rather than working on my impatience, I need to work on building the Holy Spirit in me. For when I build that fire, he overcomes these other fires, these brush fires that tend to be popping up in me, and I see them all the time, that feed the fires that you want to grow rather than trying to stomp out uh, all of the others. And finally, and I'm sure you're glad to hear me say that word, which has about as much meaning as a preacher looking at his watch, but finally, uh, uh, this, if you believe lie number two, it's really easy to fall for lie number three. And boy, does our world want us to believe this one. All spiritual roads lead up the same mountain. It doesn't matter really what you believe in, as long as you're sincere. 
as long as you're nice, as, 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 as long as you're diligent about it, you can, just, you, you can believe anything you want that Islam or, or, or Buddhism or Hinduism or all of these are just leading us up the same mountain. Could that possibly be true? You know, let me say this about religion. I've had an experience in my life I'm not going to tell you about today, but I've had an experience in my life where uh, I bought into the lies of, of that all religions lead to the same place. Um, and I learned quickly that, uh, that, that's, that, that is just, that's just simply true. But religion is religion is religion in a lot of ways, if that's what you're seeking. Religion is just a series of practices that did some do's and don'ts, and, and a lot of them are similar. A lot of them are similar, but does that get you to where you want to go? Is it true? I don't think so. If it were true, then why would Jesus have died a horrific, and I mean horrific, death on the cross if just several other roads would get you at the same place? Why would he have said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes into the Father except by me unless you go one of those other roads. No, he didn't say that. I truly believe that one of the things that, that our culture is trying to hammer into us these days is the idea that toleration is the mantra of our society. And that to, that to believe some of these other things uh, uh, is just simply narrow and it's elitist and it's uh, 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 absolutist and, and those kinds of things. Are there absolutes? You know, when I began my master's program a thousand years ago, the very, you're going to think I'm making this up, but it's simply true. The very first thing that the very first professor said in my very first master's level class was this. There are no absolutes which in and of itself is an absolute statement. Are there absolutes? Culture doesn't like the idea of absolutes, but there's only one key that unlocks my house, only one that starts my car. There's only one combination that unlocks my padlock. And two plus two is four only. Yes, there are absolutes all around us but our culture is trying to get us to hop on this toleration train and i promise you you're going to end up in a place you never intended to go if you're not really careful with that in the sermon on the mount jesus said entered by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. There's not multiple ways. There's no other options that God has provided for us to come into right relationship with him. And I know as absolutist as that sounds, I have to believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You stake your eternal Destiny on what you hope is true? Would you uh, stake surgery on that or investments on that? So, these are just three quickly lies that I think were so, so easy to get sucked into and so easy to believe. 
But God's word says that words are powerful, and they can do great damage, or they can accomplish incredible results. God spoke the world into existence. My words can heal people. One of the... I have never had more um, gratefulness expressed to me in my life, and this is no... This is nothing on my mother or on my wife or children, but Jim Dennison expresses gratefulness for me absolutely every single day. I'm not kidding you. I'm just blown away at how incredibly constructive he has been in my life. Human hearts are not good by nature, but the good news, they can be transformed. They can be changed and produce incredible results. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, the story of Christianity is not about us going up a mountain. It's about God coming down from a mountain to find us, to reach us. Yes, there's lots of religions out there, but Christianity is absolutely unique. Our emotions are fleeting. It's easy to buy into and uh, find things that just simply aren't true. But our emotions generally are not a great reflection of reality. Believe God's word. One of the things that has hammered home true to me in, in recent uh, months, particularly uh, uh, in serving with Jim, is that truth exists outside of me. Regardless of my feelings, even regardless of my experience in many cases, truth is something I discover, I find, I incorporate into my life. Right now, everything's relative. If you, if, 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 you, if you feel good, if it feels good, then do it kind of thing. That's just simply not what God's Word says. And that it is my job then not to try to validate my own emotions or my own feelings, which often are fickle and many times are wrong. It's to find the truth and then align my life with it. I try to never approach God's word without saying, I'm not sure what you're going to teach me today, but I want to tell you in advance I trust you and willing to line my life up with it because I want to trust God that much. Pray with me. Now, Father, take some of these tough things that we have to embrace. We're in a day and in a culture where at one point, we were, uh, us and our faith were kind of the center of things, and we kind of got moved to the edge of it, and now we're considered dangerous uh, in our culture. Father, I look at cultures around the world. I think of China first, where the church is burgeoning. It's exploding with growth. I see in some of the toughest, roughest places where your word prevails, and so, Father, as we go through a tough time in our culture, a tough time in our day, a tough time uh, where, where messages are, are, are ringing all around us, I pray that we'll find your word and that it becomes more important than anything else in our lives and then that it not only do we agree with it, but we let it transform us and change us and mold us into the image of your Son our Savior. In his name I pray.